there is this full moon that is just glowing and hanging out above one of the parts of the ridge line. And I'm done with my day. It's about 9.20 in the 9.21, it looks like, p.m. And it's not really dark yet. Um, it's got a nice breeze going. It's warm, but not uncomfortable. <sighs> what a nice evening. So I went and checked the pond or the check dam rather, um, I think it was yesterday. And it's been a week since the last rain, which was a mild rain. It didn't send water flowing over the landscape, really. I did see some water pooling in some of the earthworks that I've done, but there wasn't a flow through the gully um, like the previous two rains before that. And even still with that, a week later, there are little green shoots coming up around the edge of the pond. Now, I have no idea if it's the seeds that I put in the pond edge or if it's some kind of thing that's, you know, the seeds were in there already. I don't recognize it. In fact, I would say, if anything, it looks like kind of like a lawn grass, weirdly, which I know I didn't, you know, I didn't plant that. So that's fascinating to me. And um, one thing that I saw today, I, I am trying a new schedule and I was able to get some earthworks done today for the first time in a long time. Uh, what will, what feels like a long time anyway. Um, but it is kind of a long time. Um, because of that new schedule and what I found was I, I dug into one of the existing swales that I'd dug previously in order to enlarge it. And I noticed that the, the dirt was still hydrated. It was fully brown colored instead of tan, fully, I mean, it was, it was moist. It was chunky and moist. So that's blowing my mind because that means that water is being held in the ground for at least a week in the desert just because of these simple, you know, depressions. I mean, right? My head just exploded when I saw that. Um, and when I'm seeing these little shoots around the pond. Now, if we don't get more rain, there's obviously the chance that it's going to be too long without water and things like that will not be able to make it. My plan was, until I went and checked it again yesterday and realized that the pond still has these living green plants growing in it, um, is I was going to do some wicks and some burlap. I'm running low on burlap. I really didn't know how amazing burlap was going to be, and I only bought one roll the last time I was up in town. And so the next time I go up to town, I'm going to buy several rolls because it's super great, uh, great material. And I was going to basically lay burlap down with like a tent kind of, you know, like I, I need to get it stakes. That's one thing that I'm low on. But I do have some yucca uh, stalks that I gathered when I went to the swimming hole last week. I found a spot where along that road, um, which is a public road, uh, where there were just a, a good group of them that had fallen down in the wind and blown over and they were just sitting there waiting to be picked up. So I grabbed those. And so I have some to work with now. And then I'll have to look for like a good source of some kind of steak that I can use more formally 
and it would be good if it would be poundable into the ground with like a sledgehammer um, for stability against the wind. But I was just thinking of making like little tents and then putting wick containers there. The one trick is that the seeds have already sprouted and so I don't want to disturb the seeds by burying the wick to, you know, the cord. So I'll have to think about how I do that, but it would be better than nothing, I'm thinking. But it's just fascinating to me that we're out in this extremely hot environment in the middle of the desert with no rain for a week and there are living plants just sitting there somehow living, <laughs> you know, with no irrigation. Um, just in that check dam. And that check dam is, you know, it's like holding moisture deep in the soil. It's, it's like it's working. <laughs> so that's super exciting. Um, one thing that I did today based on this new schedule, which is essentially kind of working with the summer heat. Um, getting up at like 5 a.m., which is abhorrent to me. I loathe the idea, but um, my boyfriend finally convinced me that it makes sense and we weren't really getting a lot of sleep anyway and then I would end up just like sitting around or laying around all day long, tired, kind of napping intermittently, basically unable to do anything, even really cognitively be very productive because I was just so tired and so kind of uh, lethargic, you know. This new system basically gets us up at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. and we will hang out, drink coffee, talk, you know, just wake up, whatever, for like an hour. And then what, what we did today was we woke up around, I think we woke up at 5 and we laid in bed until 6 and then at 6 we got up. And then what that allowed us to do is have coffee and sit and talk and just enjoy waking up and we opened windows and we pulled curtains back and it was something he doesn't usually do because it's like so hot and he just wants man cave. So it was cool to see that, like to be able to look out the window and see the landscape, you know, and have the windows open and that breeze going through. It was really kind of amazing. Um, and I could see the rationale behind his, his, you know, thought about how to do it. So by 7 a.m. I was able to walk to my place and I was able to just start working and I got a hat, you know, got the gloves, got the shovel and just went out and just did earthworks as much as I could until it started to get too hot and I was sweating. And that was like probably around maybe 9, 9.30, something like that, you know. So there's at least two hours I was able to get out there before it just became unbearable. And I got quite a few swales dug, um, additional swales. I got quite a few they were mostly pit swales really and I was able to fix the two washouts in the road berm and then there was a berm up above that um, on my land just kind of up from the road that had washed out too and I was able to get those completed and fixed and I think you know my theory is that the reason why those washouts happened and there were two other washouts along the road is because it was just you know putting too much water into that system it was too much for that system to handle it wasn't intended to handle that much water it was really just you know, I put that in place before I got too hot and or rather the weather got too hot for me to really work, you know, on much more of it. And then I went through the last few months of just being, feeling like I'm procrastinating, you know, essentially. Um, but really, you know, I think that's a response to the this sort of cycle out here. So I'm actually kind of excited. It's never fun to change your sleep cycle and that first, you know, attempt can be difficult, but this time we naturally woke up early. It wasn't 
as early as we might start waking up, but I'll have to see how that goes. But it really worked. And then that way, when I was laying around the rest of the day, I actually um, could could say, okay, I did something, I got something done, and it wasn't um, that same nagging feeling of wasting time and watching things not happen um, that I have been having. So, and then the idea is you kind of take a siesta during the day when it's the hottest part of the day. And I ended up taking a short nap. I took another short nap. I kind of laid around. I just chilled out like I have been pretty much all day for the last few months. But this was just a shorter period, maybe like an hour or two, probably two hours. And then I went to the pool and hung out for four hours at the pool. And I swam several times and did some knitting and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm totally, I have a lot of energy right now. I feel really awake. I'm not, you know, I'm not tired at all. Um, but I, what I'm going to try to do is maybe even set an alarm tomorrow, which is kind of like sacrilege crazy in my book. Like, why would you ever get up that early? But I'm going to try to do it and just see what my, how my body responds to that. And I'm reading this book, Seth Speaks, right now, which talks about the sleep cycles being better for you, or the, the two sleep cycles in one night being better for you than one. So breaking it up into smaller, you know, increments of sleep and having, breaking that up your waking periods as well. Um, and it's, they say that that's healthier and more natural for the human organism, essentially. So I'm intrigued by this. And I was really resistant to the idea at first um, when it was presented to me. But then I thought, you know, um, I woke up really early this morning and why not get up, you know? So, yeah. And I remember my dad told me once um, that one summer... Every night he went to bed an hour later than the night before, and um, I don't really know how that would actually work because um, that would only be 24 days, but he said that over the course of the summer, so probably what it was was it was like every few days he shifted, um, but uh, whatever the math is, um, but he said he got to the end of the summer and he was um, he had gone through like totally staying awake all night and sleeping all day and then gotten back to staying awake all day and sleeping all night. Um, so, but anyway, I'm going to try this if I can so that I can get stuff done because if I can do this cycle, this new cycle where I have two periods of sleep instead of one, get, I get up super butt crack early, then I can actually get work done on my land and I might even be able to get all the work done by the end of the summer. So anyway, I'm going to see how it goes and I'll keep you posted on that. Um, I've changed my weather app to windy.com because it's more, um, I guess it's, you can get better local information or something. There's some station nearby me or something, some, something like that. I don't remember what someone was telling me. Um, and I was using like the town, the one that showed the town weather, but the town weather, they had 120 degrees, I guess the other day and we only had 111. So it was actually hotter there, weirdly. Um, and then someone was saying around, someone, a local person was saying that 111 that day that was 111, which was like maybe three days ago, was the hottest day of the year. And I'm thinking, well, how did, you know, I didn't know where they get that information. I never got a chance to ask them. So I don't know, but hopefully they're right. <laughs> um, my power system seems to have been fixed. Uh, the contractor I hired was basically not doing anything about it. Um, 
he was occasionally responding to me, um, but he was kind of purporting, you know, presenting these ideas about what it was. And my boyfriend has done solar design and installation and, and did his own system. So he was saying, no, that's, that's BS. It's not, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Here's how I would do it. Yada, yada. Um, but the end result was essentially that the contractor came over to look at the system and found that he had not tightened several of the wires connecting the batteries and the BMS, the battery management system. And one of the connections on one of the batteries, uh, was actually burning a hole through this piece of basically some sort of like styrofoam fabric that he had set the BMS device on top of, on top of the batteries, which in and of itself is crazy. And even while he was there, he was like, you know, we'll, we'll be putting in a, we'll put in a fan. We should have done that when we first set this up. And then we'll also get this mount, this BMS mounted on the wall. And I'm like, that's right. You will. But I didn't say that. Obviously I was being very friendly because I didn't want to have to take it to a realm of conflict and, you know, like confrontation. I just was trying to be friendly and kind of get him to just do his job basically. Um, so ever since he tightened those and, uh, yeah, I guess he just tightened it because it was leaking juice or sparking or something. Um, I, my system hasn't gone down. Hallelujah. So it had gone down maybe 15 times in about two or three weeks. If you can imagine that. So, um, I'm really hopeful. Um, one thing that I did today that I really had fun doing and I'm not sure how it's going to take yet because it was hot when I did it. Uh, it was after the period of morning work. I just kind of, I kind of kept going after a break or two, a little, little bit of a break because my, my boyfriend came over and, um, was hanging out a little bit and then, um, but while, um, well, I think after he left, I did more work. Like I was just kind of on a roll. I had energy, I guess. But there's this volunteer plant that has come up in one of the beds that I put. It, it's the one at the corner of my shelter, um, the southwest corner of my shelter. And I had used like probably alfalfa or hay. I don't remember which one. One of the two. I had bought a bunch of hay bales or alfalfa bales. And I had used that as a mulch for that bed. And so all these like emerald green, fat bladed, grass-like, corn-like looking things came up in it. And I had assumed it was one of the two because I'm actually not familiar with, with alfalfa or hay and I don't know what they look like. There was another plant that did come up. It was a thinner bladed grass-like plant with a seed head that came out pretty quickly. My guess at this point is that that was actually the alfalfa or the hay, depending on whichever bale it was. This other thing, I have no clue what it is. It's a volunteer and it's really kind of beautiful and extremely hardy, apparently, given the fact that I am irrigating um, and it is getting partial shade, like part of the day, you know, it's sheltered by one of the tanks. So on the West. So I basically have been wanting to thin those out and plant them other in other places. And so today I kind of took a stab at that and I got a bunch of them, probably half of them in the ground elsewhere. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of them planted around my compound at this point. They got beat with the sun in some areas and but those looked all they basically look very similar to the ones at the end of the day that were in the shade. So I'm going to just basically water them again tomorrow and hope for the best. I don't think I'm going to take the time to try to create some sort of elaborate burlap shelter for them. Although I might, if I have enough burlap, I might just wrap them, you know, simple wrap 
tied at the base kind of thing so that I can reuse the burlap and it's super simple. But I kind of just want to see if they'll, if they'll make it because um, I really don't know what they are. One of them in the bed on the north, on the southwest corner of the shelter is starting to produce a seed head. So I left that one in so I can see what it does. Like, what is it? Um, and I don't even know if that's going to help me figure it out. But they're really quite beautiful. So that happened. And I checked my... I don't think that I... I don't know. I don't remember now if I told you in the last episode that I had planted my uh, vegetable garden finally. So forgive me if I'm repeating this information, but I did use some scrap metal I got and some of the metal that I purchased um, and I created a trellis and I used chicken wire over it and I put a burlap cover over that to really give it some shade and all the vegetables that I put in seem to have survived. I do have a few perennials in there with the vegetables. Um, I've got a lot of squash going on, uh, mostly spaghetti squash, which I love that I just grew from seeds that I got out of a spaghetti squash that I ate. Um, you can just kind of stick those straight into the dirt and they'll just sprout. <laughs> you don't need to dry them out or anything. And then, um, there's some tomatoes and garlic onions that I just took from, you know, cuttings of onion and, you know, that, that sprouted in the fridge and then garlic cloves that were sprouting. And then I put blueberry in there and I have uh, some rosemary and some uh, stackies and some mint. I think it might be spearmint or maybe peppermint. I don't remember. I didn't smell it. Um, and then most of the rest of it's really just, you know, annual vegetables. Um, so we'll see how they do, but they are alive. They are keeping alive and I am watering them manually once a day and I've got them mulched with the straw or the hay, whichever it is. I think it might be the, I th well, not straw or hay, straw or alfalfa. I think it's probably the hay because alfalfa has more green bits to it, I think, but, um, it seems to be working and I've got my little compost tube, my earthworm compost tube in there. However, I did make a mistake with it, and I don't think it's going to be an issue because it's so buried, but I did make the mistake of putting stuff for my Bokashi directly into the composting tube, and what it is is basically like a kind of about two feet, probably two and a half feet uh, PVC. It's probably about five inches in diameter or something like that, maybe six, and it's buried all the way to the bottom of the garden bed with a bunch of holes drilled in it. And then it has a cap on it. And this was a very expensive thing. I um, <laughs> I spent about 40 bucks for the whole unit. And it was it kind of killed me to do it because it's just plastic. Just some ends of plastic. Useless otherwise, right? I mean, whoever is doing PVC cells is a genius because they're making bank on little pieces of plastic. Um, but anyway, <laughs> that was the retail markup. But uh, so what you do is you take the lid off and you just put your compost directly in into like your vegetable scraps directly into that and you put the lid back on so no critters can get it but basically what will happen is earthworms will go they'll, they'll find it and they'll go through the holes to eat the compost and it's like kind of like worm composting in place and then they'll crawl back into the bed and you know aerate and fertilize the bed so hopefully it works but the mistake that I made was I put stuff directly ready it was set to go out to the bokashi which is a fermentation system that allows you to use meat scraps and those kinds of things so Unfortunately, I dumped it all in there and realized after it was too late, oh crap, there's bones and there's chicken bones in there, you know, like, uh, so I don't know if it's going to have a bad impact or not. It might not matter because it is so well protected by this, you know, industrial strength lid thing that I spent 
huge amount of money on <laughs> but I'll have to see how that all goes um, hopefully it's not an issue and I won't repeat the mistake I was gonna separate maybe a separate group of vegetable scraps that I could use for that but I don't think I'm gonna need to add compost that often that'll be an interesting experiment to see how frequently it needs to be fed and how fast the earthworms are you know doing what they're doing I did use I, I, I dug down really far and was able to get down far enough to where I could really fill the bed with a bunch of really nice, you know, amendments and make it super cushy for the, for the, you know, the garden garden. And it's kind of cheating in my view, but it's like, you know, these plants just needed to go on the ground. Those poor things, they were just sitting in the greenhouse, just, you know, suffering in their tiny little pots. So it was an act of pity. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I got a lot of really good amendments in there and um, so hopefully that does does them well and then they're mulched like I said so I'll have to see how it all goes um, Every uh, everything else that I have outside is doing fine the um, cranberry is doing great the one strawberry that I have in a pot that is getting enough attention is doing fine a bird landed in that pot today and was scritching around and pecking around and I was kind of like what are you doing and I shoot him away I'm not sure what he was going after he was kind of flicking some of the pot dirt like out onto the ground so he came back a second time too. that same bird I'm not sure what exactly that is he, he was up to but I didn't like it so I'll, maybe I'll do some chicken wire over that he was also getting into my succulent pot my hanging planter filled with succulents um, those are the, the, there's one species of succulent that survived over winter and it's coming back and looks really healthy. So he was digging around in there, I think too, because the plastic was moved and stuff. Um, it looks like one of my little, um, I don't know, like little herbs. I don't, I thought it was a, a savory, but, uh, to be honest, I didn't label it, label it and it might be, hmm, I don't know, it might be tarragon. I bet you it's tarragon. But it's got this little flower, and I've never seen tarragon flower. So I either have something other than an herb in there that I don't know. Um, but I would think that it would be something that I would have purchased in California. I don't know. I, I brought so many plants out here. I was throwing things in pots at the end of it, just filling my van with pot with plants. Like my whole back of my van with no seats in it. So I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it's flowering. And my yarrow is holding on. My um, my two remaining uh, Aslepia speciosa plants, those are uh, still alive in their pots. Uh, I need to get them in the ground at some point. Um, and then my mint is actually doing really well. The nepeta, the cat mint, is doing really well. And the ajuga is doing less well. I have it in the back, kind of more shade, I guess, than the, than the others. Um, but it, it's doing okay. It just, it doesn't seem like it's super thriving, but it doesn't look like it's doing badly. It's just, you know, I can kind of tell it just seems a little bit like, woe is me. <laughs> um, the rosemary is doing fine. So, and then everything that's in the ground is doing great. Um, the watermelon is, is thriving. It's sending out shoots across the bed uh, to the northwest uh, where I have it planted. And it's also got a tendril that I've, you know, sort of twisty tied up onto the trellis so it'll go upward. Hopefully what it does is either covers the bed as a ground cover or it'll go twine up onto the trellis in both of those other shoots that it's put out. I'll have to see what it does. But I just, all I have to, to shade it, to give it protection from like the just blistering hot desert western sun 
you know, 100 degrees, over 100 degrees every day, is this little piece of kind of burlap-like fabric that I got at a thrift store and a chicken wire. So the javelinas can't eat it. <laughs> and everything in that bed is absolutely thriving. So it's really, I'm learning a lot about what you can do. You really can do more than the naysayers seem to think you can. <laughs> so um, I think with love and water, you know, and the right additions of nutrients, it's a lot is possible. Um, one thing that I've been really thinking about more is the orchard that I started and I've told you that I jumped the gun and had to kick myself and admit defeat and, you know, you really should do shade first, and, you know, um, but the pear tree is still totally hanging in there. It's the first one I put in the ground and it's doing, it's doing fine. It, it has had some damage. It's had some leaf cutter bees attack it. It's had, looks like some of the tips and some of the leaves are a little are black. I don't know what that is. I haven't looked it up yet, but it's got leaves and um, it's sitting out there totally exposed. There's no shade. And I'm kind of wondering if it's because it's closer to the shelter. And so maybe there, because it, it, it isn't getting any shade from the shelter, but perhaps the coolness of the shelter, the actual temperature drop, which is about 20 degrees, if you can believe that, under the shade structure, maybe that is affecting it because it is probably... I want to say 10, 12 feet, something like that away from the actual posts of the shade structure. Um, same thing with the red bud. Um, it's also that at that line and it's not, it's not suffering in the same way that I saw the apple or the, you know, well, the apple really is the, the, um, indicator, I think, because, um, it was just out in the middle of the orchard, just out and exposed completely with no shade. And so I've learned my lesson. Um, and I've got the two peach trees under burlap and they seem to be just doing fine. The, the shade is just really beautiful and palpable. I can, you know, tell that it makes, it's making a difference. So what I did was I desperately just wrapped the apple and the sycamore, um, which was starting to go. Unfortunately, it was out there and just looking awesome for so long, and then it just started to go. I think just because it's too hot, it's too much sun, it's just too hot. And I think those boxes, the water heats up in there, and the the tree protector is plastic, and it creates this like hot plastic, you know, it's just... I think it just needs shade. So I wrapped the sycamore and the apple in burlap. Everything I was trying to do for the apple, I talked about not having stakes earlier, uh, just wasn't working. It kept blowing over. I didn't have any real anchor for those, and they weren't really proper stakes. And it was just, it was just kind of a hack job. So I just decided to finally just wrap the burlap around the tree. <laughs> so we'll see if that works at all. It might be too late. Um, Today I did go for for the pear that I was just talking about. I did go ahead and repack the loose hay or straw that had blown away from the soil that's mounted up around the box. I packed that back on top of that soil and I put burlap down over it, held down by rocks. And then I watered that with a hose. And I haven't been giving any supplemental water really. Well, I've been giving a little bit of supplemental water just in the last few days to the orchard because I feel so bad and I realized I was attending to all the other plants but I was sort of just saying oh the boxes will just take care of these orchard plants you know and I don't think that's how it's I don't really think that they're enough without shade so I do see that some of the little ground covers have come up in the orchard and they're struggling without water but they but the swales are hydrated so they are actually handling it for 
days, if not weeks at a time without any irrigation. But I finally took pity on them because they're, you know, it's like that old saying, those that have shall get and those that don't shall not. It's kind of like, well, if you're going to live this long without care, I'm going to give you some care. You know, <laughs> like you're, you're showing me that you want to be here. Um, so I'm dumping, um, I get about 25 gallons of free water every week. I'm supposed to get anyway. I haven't been really going and getting it. Um, every week and then I have just when I do I'll just get 24 because it's easier because I have six gallon four six gallon things but I've been dumping those just dumping those on the the surrounding those trees and you know into even into the boxes and in, into the hole around the tree so that it's just you know I don't know just trying to help them so I'm kind of starting to come around um to get more involved with them the loblolly pines look fantastic. They haven't shown any sign really of any stress. So if they do though, I'm going to wrap them in burlap immediately um, just to protect them from again that hot blazing sun. But they look to be doing fine and that might be because they have needles instead of leaves. Those needles are probably a lot more durable and they also don't have the exposure, the surface area. So I don't really know, but they are hardy species. So I'm just watching them. And I'm still giving them a couple of gallons every other day or every few days. It's mostly every other day. Um, I think I skipped a few days. So uh, they're looking fantastic. Um, my boyfriend said that his gardening friend seems to think that you have to have more ventilation in your greenhouse than I have. And so he was saying, leave it open. And I'm like, ah, I think that that's not what they need because it dries it out maybe. But I did leave it open today just to see what happened. And it didn't really... I mean, I don't really know if I trust that. Um, I don't <laughs> I guess I'm just kind of, I want to keep some of that moisture in. I do have all the windows open though, so there is airflow through there. Um, and I do have a luminate over the, over the top, like just secured to the greenhouse itself. Um, the, the, the cherry, as I told you, died. The almond seems to be alive, but it totally is dead. Um, so I'm still trying to get a refund or a replacement for those from online orchards. If you use online orchards, just know that my experience is that they take a very long time to get back to you. And then they, um, you know, I don't know that the customer service is really, really very, um, reliable. It doesn't feel that way to me at least. Um, but, um, one good thing is that my eucalyptus seeds that I started in little peat pots and then separated little, very one, one by one, like little tiny little babies, they were about an inch tall. And I put those into these, um, separated, each one had their own little plug tray, you know, section. Um, those are now about four inches tall and they're looking really good. So, um, I'm thinking I need to move those into four inch pots. Each one gets its own four inch pot and then I can move the little poor little <laughs> neglected uh, remaining eucalyptus starts that are still only about, they're maybe like two inches tall now in their struggling little pea pots that they're sharing with each other. Maybe I can move those into this individual trays. One big limiting factor I noticed is that there are spots within the greenhouse that get sun and others that do not. And so that's something that I think matters a lot as far as what's growing and what's not. So I did try to move stuff over so that it's getting more solar access. And my wisteria is doing fantastic. It's got a runner coming out. My blackberry uh, is putting out, it had a blackberry. And then I planted the other blackberry at the uh, northwest corner bed and put a, you know, shaded it with burlap and then trained it to go up the trellis. And it's doing fine. It survived. So that's really awesome. Um, and so the other blackberry, the one that I had in Altadena, is still um, in a pot in the greenhouse. But I plan on getting that in the ground. I just need to figure out where to put it. 
And I think I know where I might want to put it. Uh, I have a really nice sunny spot for it, potentially. The dog was using the center post on the south side and causing mayhem and getting tangled and just wrapping herself around the hammock like six times and then whining. And <laughs> so I used some plastic trellis, or not trellis, um, uh, what's it called? Lattice material that I had found in a thrift store about a month ago. And I made like a block for that and then planted some of that fat, uh, spiky, fat bladed spiky stuff in front of it with rocks around it. So she probably won't try to get through there again. But I think maybe putting that blackberry there potentially on the outside of the shelter and just giving it some burlap would be a really good spot for it. And then it can use that lattice as a trellis potentially. So I might, it's a short section of trellis or I'm sorry, lattice. So I might want to get one of those bamboo trellises and put it there now that it's kind of protected from the dog. But I have to think it through because she, she is pretty destructive. Um, so yeah. Um, and then I also do have one persimmon tree that actually is alive and made it um, through the mailing process. And that's in the greenhouse. It's about a foot tall, foot and a half tall. And I'm not going to take any risks with losing it. So I'm just letting it get really healthy. And I probably want to transplant it into a gallon pot from what it's in now. Um, and to, one of my little forage pot blackberries did die, um, I think just from sitting in the greenhouse too long. So I need to get those other two in the ground. I did get one into the vegetable bed. Uh, that was the other perennial I didn't, I forgot to mention that I put in there and that's up against the trellis there. So it can kind of twine, I can, you know, support it. Um, and then on my, I have an apple tree that started out as a little four inch twig and it actually is leafed out. <laughs> and then I have, um, my sea kale. That's a perennial vegetable that's doing fine in a four inch pot. I probably should transplant that, um, into a gallon. And I've got uh, my, uh, my Okinawa spinach and my longevity spinach, second batch. Those are staying in the greenhouse. They did not overwinter well, except for one of them survived. But I'm not going to risk that. I don't think that they can handle the cold. So they'll stay in the greenhouse. And I really need to come up with a solution for how do I make, how do I, you know, really turn this into like an edible, you know, crop in the greenhouse. Because right now they're just these little, you know, they have a few leaves each. Um, and then I've got my three eucalyptus trees that I purchased as trees and those are probably about 18 inches tall and those are looking just fine they didn't do too well in chipping but they recovered strongly in the greenhouse and um, yeah I think I have a few other perennial plants there's one lavender that's still hanging in there I need to get that in the ground and then there's a few other random kind of things that I still have um, and then my, my tree collards, I still have those in the greenhouse. Those are probably going to stay in there. I need to do some research to figure out how cold hardy they are. But my, the one tree collard makes seeds every year reliably. And one thing that I learned today was I went out there and I finally was like, Oh, I guess I'll finally harvest these seeds. And I had waited too long and they had actually burst. And now there's a bunch of seed or tree collard seeds in the greenhouse that probably won't be able to make it because the ground isn't really super wet in there. Although there is moisture, so you never know. But I did get a small handful for 2022 and labeled them in an envelope. And um, I have a whole tray of that peat. I'm recycling those peat pots in that tray um, for wetland plants and none of the seeds have come up yet. I don't know if it's going to work, but I also wonder if they weren't getting enough sun because 
the way that the remaining um, eucalyptus starts in that seed tray were acting. It's like they were leaning for the light on the east side. And I really think that that was an area where, you know, having like being under that top shelf on that second shelf was actually too shady. So I moved that out to the center on the floor of on the ground of the greenhouse so that it can really get that western light that everybody everything seems to be doing well with. So I'll have to see. And I didn't water the greenhouse today. It didn't look like it needed it. So I'm going to water tomorrow. But yeah, um, I have like a very few, uh, like I have one desert willow that, that sprouted and I'm babying that. I have, um, you know, a few other interesting kind of things. Like there's one acacia wattle that sprouted. <laughs> so I think, again, that's because of that being too shady for them to really have enough light to really um, germinate. So I'm probably going to go in and rearrange the entire greenhouse at some point soon and really just put all the shelving where I know it'll get good light and, you know, really kind of rethink how everything's uh, laid out in there so I can really get to things a lot better. And I'm not like neglecting my plants. Um, the, the, uh, what's it called? Why am I blanking on it? Um, hello, agave. Um, is it agave? Am I, that's what I'm thinking. Um, the, I think it's agave, uh, pups that I brought with me that I had been, I think I told this story in a previous episode, but I had been standing in awe of this beautiful, uh, tall, you know, where they send out that, that crazy, uh, oh, yucca. Maybe it's yucca. I think it's yucca. Sorry. I don't know what I'm saying. Agave. I knew I was wrong with it. So I was standing in front of this beautiful yucca that had sent up that, you know, towering stalk that they do before they're about to pass, pass on. And I'm, I'm just like, oh, wow, it's just so stunning up close, you know. And I happened to look down because was, I was seed gathering in Altadena at that point. And there were all these little baby ones that had just fallen to the ground and were rooting. And I'm like, no way. I just happened to be there at the exact perfect time. And so I gathered as many as I could, you know, like a handful of them and kept them. Weirdly, this is amazing to me. I kept them in a bag with no... They, no, they were in one of the shoe boxes with just dry shoe box with like envelopes filled with seeds for like months. And I finally went and dug through my seeds a few months ago and I was like, oh my God, these, I totally forgot these were in here. I feel like a horrible person, but they were all still green. And so I went and I put them out in the landscape along the driveway and by the road. And I, you know, water them like maybe once a week and they're doing well they're actually doing well. So I'm like, okay, something's working. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'm just kind of giving those a little water once a week if I can remember to. And then there's, um, some century plants that I bought at a kind of a flea market. One of them is not doing so hot because of the way that the, the area around it is graded. So I went and regraded that this morning and really made it so that it can hold, you know, can hold irrigation I'm giving it. And it'll, I put a swale in front of it too, just to hydrate down slope, uh, where the plant is. And I think it'll probably be okay. Um, so that's the main thing. And then I think the other thing I wanted to talk about was I want to maybe try to, I don't think I want to transplant any of the fruit trees. I don't think that's a good idea because they've been through a lot already. But I think going forward, I do want to keep getting fruit trees and, and nut trees and maybe start planting them in amongst the uh, mesquite. We'll see how that all goes, but that might be a good way to get going quicker because I do have a number of mesquite. I've probably got 15 trees on my property and they're, they're taller than me in most cases. So that's, that's enough. I think of a microclimate potentially, it'd be a good experiment at least. Um, 
So let's see. I think that's probably everything. I think I'm in a new cycle of like, how do I utilize and break up my day where I could potentially be getting work done now going forward. And that's super exciting. It might not be perfect. It probably won't be. Nothing is. But if I can at least do some, um, most days, man, I can actually get real progress. And it is supposed to rain, 50% chance of rain, I think either tomorrow or sometime this week, It's someone said. So if that's the case, yay. Um, and I will be moving forward, I think, at this point with the, let's just say, device to bring rain that I know how to build, I think. I think I've reverse engineered it from scraps of information I found. Um, it's very hard to figure out because it's not, they're not, they're not making it available. Uh, the people who know about it, but I think I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and make one. We'll see. I'll let, I'll keep you updated on that too. So, um, that's, uh, that's it. Thanks for listening and I will talk to you again.